Welcome to the West Coast version, West Coast Project version of Louie TV podcast. It's weird because our Facebook page on Fargo is Fargo, Facebook slash Fargo TV. And our Facebook page for Louie is Facebook slash Louie TV podcast. Somebody had already stolen Louie TV. It's actually Lewis TV, right? I know. Yeah, that was screwed up too. Yeah. But his name is Lewis C.K. Right. Right. I just, um, I noticed that because when I went on to type it in, I was sharing it and I think, and I, and it didn't show up like that, like Louis. So, but found it. I think they nickname it. His nickname is Louis with the E, but his real name is Lewis right. C.K. I still think we need to get him on here. Yeah, okay. Good luck with that. <laughs> he might. So, Michelle from Tennessee, what's your podcast technique? Like, here, I'll explain what I mean. Okay. Like, with True Detective and Fargo, mm-hmm. I write up all my notes, and then I watch the show while we're doing the podcast in with the sound off. While I kind of follow along with my notes, I kind of watch along on the show. Right. And uh, with Louie, I just take notes and just wing it. What's your technique? I did that for a while. Um, I can only do it for certain shows just based on my cable stuff, depending on how quickly we put it out. It's not ready on demand on my cable. So I can't do it for everything. And so I was getting kind of confused trying to do it like that. So I try to watch it and I try to watch Well, I mean, I always watch it, but I try to watch it close to the time for the last time that we're going to podcast on it and take notes and well, amend the notes I've taken. And it really, it, it's funny you ask that because it's different for each, for each show. I find that I do them differently. Like true detective. I had to sit and watch it for the first time. There was so much to absorb, but with Fargo, I take notes the first as, as I'm watching the first time. And I'm not really sure why, um, I don't know. With Louie, I like to watch it and then take notes and then watch it again because it's short, so it's easy do to do. Do you watch any of all that? I didn't get... I don't know if I got my answer. Do you watch any of that while we're podcasting? No, I did for a little while, but only certain shows like the old Louie, I'm able to watch. The new Louie, depending on when we were podcasting, I don't have it yet up on my own demand, so I'm not able to do that. So, no, I've just gotten out of the habit of doing it. So what about DVR? No. Um, well, I don't have a DVR on my computer. What about a DVR and, like, what? how do you get your TV? Well, I do the DVR on the TV, but I can't watch the DVR on the computer. Because you're hunkered down in a closet somewhere in the back room? No, I'm just in a computer room where the only desktop is, so. Oh, okay. I'm in the garage in my car. Are you trying to understand Louie? Or are you do you like do you look through your life through Louie through the lens Louie offers us? Or do you look at the women that Louie interacts with? How do you view Louie that way? I view the men in my life through Louie, I think. And uh, I identify occasionally with the women. You don't, so you don't look at Louis like you don't think, okay, if I were at a window in the 17th floor in a place in New York, this is what I would be thinking. 
You don't, so you don't see Louis. Not Louis. At all. See, that's how I watch it. Well, of course you're a guy. But no, I, I would never. I can't think of very many occasions of Louis that I would act or react as he does. I don't identify with him. And, but I don't identify with many men. So I'd be a little surprised if I did, I think. But you do, right? That's what you're saying? Yeah, I like to, you know, I like to look at my life through the lens Louis offers us. I think that that's easier for you as a guy. Anyway, we're um we're at episodes. God, I have such a hard time with these goddamn episode numbers. Episode 4, no, season 4, episode 5, Elevator Part 4. It's episodes 4 and 6, right? Four and seven, I mean. Four, 406, 407, ep- Elevator 4 and Elevator 5. It's Episode 5 and Episode 6, Elevator 4 and Elevator 5. All right. I'm having so much trouble with this because my, my DVR, somehow I get the end of the first one and then the beginning of the second one. So, and then the Oh, so- yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're one episode behind the episode, the elevator episodes are one. Ep- we only had one episode of Louie before it started in on elevator. So if it's episode five of the whole season, it's episode four of elevator. All right, let's break the, let's, let's calm down a minute, Michelle. Let's okay. break this down. Okay. 401 was back. Louie's back. 402 was model. 403 was so did the fat lady. 404 was elevator part one. So 404. Five was elevator part two. I see what I did already. I see what I did wrong. You are absolutely right. 405 was elevator two. 406 was elevator three. And you're right. 407 and eight. No, I wasn't right. I'm not right. I'm very wrong. I said it backward too. So elevator four, this is 407, elevator four, and 408, elevator five. Okay, because I've got it written down as I've got it written down different. That my my and it had to have said that. I wouldn't have written it if it hadn't said it. That's weird. Okay, you're right. I'm crazy. Um. So 407 is uh, he's on a date with Amia. He's at a hockey game. Remember, Vanessa gave him tickets to a hockey game. She did. But it's not this game. Because well, she, she talked it up being Rangers versus Bruins, and this was Rangers versus penguins well Amia seemed to enjoy it yeah hockey's great hockey's a great date 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 hockey date is it yeah because it's fun it's fast it's exciting I've never been to a hockey game you've never done a lot of things <laughs> uh, but um somehow this evolves into the news reports of outrageous proportions yeah, they were speaking like gibberish. Hurricane Jasmine Forsyth causing all kinds of trouble. Do they name hurricanes double names like that? No. I tried to look up Jasmine Forsyth. It's, and it's all fun. It's all fakiness. But that name's not significant in any way, right? Well, if you don't think 1,600 mile an hour winds are insignificant. Well, no, no. I just mean the name. I Cuba underwater, name insignificant, the- Michelle? That's not what I meant, <laughs> but the, I mean, they were just saying 
crazy, not even words about it. All right, anyway. I shouldn't give you any shit because this is where I started getting confused. So I'm watching this one. And um, is this where he talks about LeBron James and the Miami, Miami no. Heat? Okay, so he's talking about the hurricane and the weather, but in the next one is when they talk about LeBron James, right? I do. All right, mm -hmm. so I got all messed up because of that to start with. But so they talk about this crazy hurricane, Jasmine Forsyth. And then we go to this, um, to me, this date with Amia was, was syrupy sickening. Like they're having the violin lesson and the chess game, and it's just too perfect. What did you think about that date? I thought it was, it, it was, I mean, I, I didn't think sickening, but I thought it was too perfect. Like you said, I actually wrote down the word idyllic. Um, it was like a beautiful family, perfect Norman Rockwell kind of setting with one kid playing the violin and the other kid playing chess and, and everybody getting along and smiling and Louis cooking dinner. And, and he comes out and he puts his hand on Amia's shoulder and, and kind of rubs her shoulder and she looks up at him and smiles. It's just so perfect. Yeah. We're talking insulin shock. It was too sweet. It was, yeah, it was too much. I agree. Uh, so then we screech away from that one and go to the psychologist office, psychologist, psychiatrist, family mm -hmm. therapist, whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, this was a pretty good scene, but the best part of this scene was the windows in that office. Did you notice those windows? Um, I noticed when he poked his head out the window the windows were so big and they open up like you go to a hotel in new york you can't open your window more than like an inch and a half <laughs> those windows were so damn big they were like four feet wide there, there were two windows on each side of the room and it was like a 12 by 12 foot room you know so they were like big big windows that was a beautiful office i love that office yeah and i was thinking how lovely the scene was the the scenery as he was screaming in anguish it's a really nice view i mean beautiful and just right down you know to all the other buildings and the activity that you picture in new york so yeah louis actually i i thought louis actually broke the fourth window and the fifth window because he opened a window <laughs> so he like broke the window of the scene setting and then he opened a window okay he did yeah yeah i i thought at first that he didn't or that he actually did that that he actually went to the window and yelled out but he didn't right i mean it's just what he's thinking about doing in his mind right because they didn't notice if he did the women in the room are continuing to talk as if he hasn't went to the window pulled it up stuck his head out and screamed like a well, like see, anguish. Michelle, this would this would be where you would benefit by looking at life through the lens Lee offers you, because then you could say, yeah, that's what I would do, or I would never do that. I would never do that. You wouldn't have to question it. But I would never, never would I do that. Would you? But, well, Janet wins the whole argument, every little peak and valley of it, and Louis loses, and he just loses pretty gracefully. He's pretty calm about it. But then they go back on the, on the street or the, on the way to, to the street. They discuss, like, the whole situation of the psychologist. And it's costing costing them $800 an hour. For two um, hours. 
I think they said, right? $800 for two hours. Well, but, still. Right, but it's crazy. But I thought what was significant, other than just the interaction, which was significant, and yes, I am trying to make sense out of all this. Louis has changed so much from what I watched in season one um, and even some of season three that I saw. This is was not a comedy, really, to me. There's very little comedic relief in these two episodes. And um, even the things he tried to make funny, or I'm sure he didn't try to make them funny, but the parts that could have been funny weren't really funny. They were dark or over the top a little bit, almost like the sugary sweetness of that one episode or scene that we just talked about. Everything was too much. And so I am trying to make some sense of it, but Louis thinks that Jane dealt with a divorce better. And Janet is just completely blown away by that because she thinks Jane didn't deal with with the divorce at all because she was too young. And of course, if she was three at the time, she was probably too young. Janet's probably correct. And she says, Lily's the one that dealt with it better. So if they have that fundamental different view on something as significant as that. I just thought that was huge. They they couldn't even agree on that. Yeah. And that's a pretty big thing. So. Well, I almost think this scene didn't doesn't need to get bogged down into the little intricacies of who's right and who's wrong, even though they're like very important things about their kids. It's more about the general theme of Louis remembering and thinking about his life, you know, here we are again with me putting my Louis lenses on. But it's about him perceiving how he fits into this situation and this setting with ex-wife psychologist Louis. Like what in this triangle, where is the power shifting and who is the person that's right? And who's the who's the person that deserves an opinion and, you know, who's not valuable enough to have his say? And that's that's kind of what I took away from it. Well, I think he's viewing it as he he admits that he's at fault and why their interaction. They were talking about how good they were as divorced people. But he admits he's at fault the whole way through this episode on everything. Well, does he? Yeah. I'm trying to think of other places. But right there, what I'm thinking about just with his relationship with Janet is that he was wrong about Jane and how she was able to process all that information and how she's just now processing. And he was wrong. He says he was wrong about uh, causing the trouble, causing them to not be able to co-parent the way they could and all that. And then he was wrong. um, He's wrong about about everything. We don't need to. He's wrong on the street when they talk about Patrick and he starts arguing about why, you know, Patrick isn't that great. And every argument he, poses is like how great Patrick really is. And he was wrong in the coffee shop before. Remember he said he was. He couldn't even talk right. So I think he's kind of coming to grips with his wrongness in this whole family situation. I'm not getting that. I'm I'm getting that he's feeling like he's wrong no matter what he does. Not that he's understanding, you know, that he's seeing with clear eyes that he's wrong about everything. He feels like he's wrong. So you think he's not wrong? Well, I think there's a difference. Yeah, he's like it's his it's his state of confidence. Okay. 
anyway, in this in this whole golden age of great TV, I thought we were one degree of separation away from Fargo becoming part of the scene with uh, them saying that $800 could get Jane wiped out in a hit. Yeah, and the the most uncomfortable part of that was the way Janet snickered at it after well, a second. Well, it's funny. It's just funny. See, I don't think that was funny. That that to me was like a line. It's just you you don't I don't know. Some people might find it funny. To me that just it struck me as uncomfortable. Smart people. <clears throat> oh, okay. okay yeah. go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm done. So no. they share a cigarette on the street and which is kind of like all the things they did were very subtle, but they were very telling. Like, they share the cigarette, like, just without even thinking about it. She knows he wants a puff. And we see their young relationship later on. But that was pretty cool how they established their, their um, I don't know, compatibility by just this silly little shared cigarette. And uh, Louis tries to convince Janet that sad is good sometimes. Um, and, yeah. But, this is where he argue, argues himself into a corner with Patrick by right. just stating all the great things Patrick does by providing stability and everything. Um, what did ex- you think about that? Except what did you saying Sorry. he smells like kale. Yeah. Ka- what does kale smell like? It smells good. It smells green. It smells, you know, it's a, just a green. I mean, it smells good. I don't, I don't know. Help. It smells like help. I'm not sure. I think you have two strikes against you now, Michelle. Oh, geez. Not getting just... the hitman joke and kale smelling good. I don't dislike, I like kale. But um, what did you think about Louie saying that the girls are going to be sad? Well, Janet said the girls are going to be sad when she leaves. What? Did... I have to admit I was okay conflicted. I was conflicted because I thought it was it's pretty smart. You know, it is a lesson, it, whether it's a lesson appropriate for a 10 year old or not. I don't know. I'm not a parent. So I, it's hard for me to say, like, I would probably instinctively protect a 10 year old from any sadness or try to, but it's probably not a bad lesson for somebody to learn that you can love somebody and they go away and you miss them and you feel sad. But don't you think that happens enough in life and that you wouldn't knowingly put your kids in that situation? I mean, they're going to experience that in life. And uh, I would just think that you wouldn't want. But what's to the other side of that sadness? Like, why, why is Lily and why are Lily and Jane going to feel sad? Well, because they care for her. Because they got good things from her. Yeah. But that happens in life, and to expose children to things that you know is going to create sadness in them just because, I think that's Louis kind of rational. So you're saying don't have the relationship with Amia? And- no, I didn't say that at all. No. I'm just saying don't necessarily, well, don't, not necessarily, don't let your kids get close to somebody. Yeah, so, don't have the intima- that- so you're saying don't have the intimacy that they're having. Uh, well, we already said it was a sickening, sweet, fake intimacy, almost. And I'm saying that you wouldn't let a kid do that. I wouldn't let a kid do Okay, that. I'm going to clarify my earlier point. I didn't think it was fake. I thought Louis' depiction of it was over-the-top fake. Okay, but well, the, that's the same thing. No, it's not. He was yeah. He was super exaggerating it. 
like okay, they're but, the they're the Norma, Norman Rockwell family. Yeah, I think, and that's why they're going to miss her is because of this closeness that he's yeah, showing. Yeah, I get it, Michelle, but he's closeness. he's close to Amia. He's not that close to her. He's putting it over the top to like super over accentuate the point. He's seeing Amia's, you know, in and out, and she's. I'm sure she's coming and going, but that was like overstressing the point to like really hammer it home. I'm sure she's not there every night having dinner and teaching violin and chess lessons. No, I don't, I don't know. You know, we only got to see the one little image in the window or through, you know, through his window, but I still say that you don't do that. I would say I agreed completely with Janet in that you don't do that. And let them be sad. Of course they're sad when she leaves, but you don't do that. And I wonder, do the kids know that she's going to leave? Because Janet didn't know, and she said that the kids have talked about her nonstop. So, do the kids know? Maybe if they knew. Maybe if they knew she's only going to be here for a little amount of time, and then she's leaving. Then, maybe. But if they don't know that, then it's horrible. It's interesting that you and you and I go tooth and nail about Louie and we try to like break down True Detective and Fargo. It really is pretty interesting. Wonder why. I don't know. I don't know how can someone be so wrong about one podcast and be so tuned into others. Yeah, that's what I wonder too. So um that really that condensed version of the l- relationship between Louie and Janet on the street I think was really brilliant. They broke it into a 5 minute you know, they were start out, we're a good team, we can do this, we don't need $800 a session to pay the psychiatrist. Um, they try to relate, and then they fade and they separate. They put their whole relationship into that five-minute interaction on the street. Right. Well, then Janet, though, remember she asked him uh, if they've had sex, and that comes up again. With yeah. Ivanka later. And when he says no, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't, I don't remember if he says no, but he insinuates no. And, um, well, not saying yes means no. Right. I guess. Yeah. And, um, then it comes up again. I think the women aren't taking the relationship seriously because. Is that, is that the, is that the barometer? It seems to be their barometer. That I don't think that's a female barometer. Well, it's come up twice. <laughs> okay, I know. By, both by the female. Yeah, it has. Um, In fact, they say it. They they push the envelope of you know the 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 vulgarity law. I guess whatever the, whatever the law is on TV. You're not even fucking her, and they ble- they bleep it out. And Janet's disappointed. She's disappointed he's not living life. Like that's the, you know, that's the natural course of that relationship. That proves it's a real relationship. Well, Louis says he's in love with her. And that's the big thing because she's like, she's Janet. So happy for him because he's in love with her. And then she finds out that he hasn't even been with her. So... I think she's questioning what he's doing. But don't you think that's right? Don't I think what's right? 
that not fucking her doesn't mean that they're not ser- as serious as, as if she, he was. No, there's something going on with that. There's something going on with their lack of intimacy. Uh, okay, another disagreement. Let me mark that one down here. Yeah, go <laughs> ahead. I'm sure it's one of many. So Louis, Louis wakes up, he's reading his iPad in bed, and the loud music reminds him of the old girlfriend, and they kind of morph back into his old days with the young Louis. Did mm-hmm. you get my picture of young Louis that I sent you, by I the way? I loved it. Yeah, you got a link to that? He doesn't look like the guy in the scene, but he does kind of look like the guy in the scene. And in He fact, doesn't look like Louis now. I know, he does not look like Louis now. If you look at old Louis on YouTubes, he looks like a skinny, redheaded, geeky, different guy. Oh, I love that, though. I got to look him up now. Yeah, I just got it right before we started. So, But that brings Louie back to his old girlfriend in a hotel room when people were making noise. And she wants him to make, you know, she's challenging his power to mm-hmm. stop it. Like, make, make them stop. Call down and get the hotel clerk to make them stop. Mm-hmm. And this Louis, isn't, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Louie tries, but it's not very fruitful. He's pretty powerless, even back in his youth. Well, she says he's the guy. Yeah, you're the man or you're the guy, whatever. Right. Yeah. What did you think of that? I thought he was powerless. I thought he was like exactly the way he is 20 years later. But do you think he should have called? Or yeah. do you think he should? Of course he should have called. Yeah. It goes back to this bully episode. Everything goes back to bully. But this is not his girlfriend. I think this is, I'm 99% sure this is supposed to be Janet. Yeah, it's his wife. Come yeah, on, well, you got you it. Said, no, I, I know, but you said girlfriend. This is white Janet. I know, that's his wife. You're right. I said, yeah. gr- I probably said girlfriend. Yeah, so I was like, okay, yeah. And she's white in this, which makes it funny. That was funny. You think white women are funny? I, th- I think it's funny that they expect, you know, that she's white in, when she's young, and then when she's older, she's a black woman. And they have like, the two ghostliest, whitest kids in the world the palest i know palest of white caucasian so anyway that was funny because i didn't know who it was at first i had written down in my notes because i'm taking notes as i'm watching a young unknown girl you know is with a young guy and then it turns out to be janet and louie that was pretty good but i liked how they shared the cigarette through the like the storm sliding door of the hotel louie's outside on the porch and she's inside and we can't really see that it's a door until they open it so there's a separation between them that mm-hmm. appears to be real, even though it's like on the outside isn't isn't there, but it really is there. Right. But they have the same problem that's like loud music and they're miserable. And um, they go into this conversation about how they've had this problem before and they never made up over it. We didn't make up. Time just went on. And that, I think, is like the story of so many couples. They don't deal with their real problems. Time just goes on and they let the problem like simmer down and go below the surface. Yeah, I think anytime you're in any kind of relationship for any amount of time, you are going to do that. I think we do that with friendships. I think we do it with romantic relationships. I think sometimes we even do it like with our children and stuff. We, you know, with people that you love, sometimes you just have to understand that you're just going to feel differently about stuff but i mean i think this was a big one certainly well i've never had children 
or a romantic relationship, but I can see how. It, you know. <laughs> so she's doing all the talking, which is pretty interesting to me. Like the female is able to like vocalize and verbalize and illustrate all the feelings. And Louis is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just saying yeah all the time. And th- so they come to the conclusion that they should have a calm divorce. Like yeah, a friendly divorce, divorce out of kindness instead of out of anger. That was pretty telling. And do you think if she hadn't said that, and I know it's just a show, but do you think if she hadn't said that, that the implication was that the marriage would have went on? Yeah, of course. Time will that go on. That just kills me. How, how can that be? How can it be that he's feeling it and wanting it, maybe, or not, or he thinks it's a good idea when he hears it? How can that be? How can it's easier. you dissolve a marriage because somebody else is brave enough to bring up the subject? You know, you, you started talking about earlier in our conversation here about how... Um, this show makes you think and stuff. And this is where I had put down a note that the gist of it is there's a difference between Louie and other TV that we watch because Louie makes us look at life. Basically when we watch other TV shows, like, I don't know, pick a show, 24 game of Thrones, you know, we try to escape our little day to day life by watching other, other shows and kind of drift into like a fantasy of watching. Louie doesn't let us do that. He says the things we think about that are like slightly below our conscious thought level every day and brings them up to the surface. So we have to like deal with them. So watching Louie is like work. It's like it's like it stresses you out watching him because you think, oh, my God, what would you know in in that situation? I would be like this. I would stress out about this or I would try to I would try to respond this way or that way. I do not do that with other shows I watch. Yeah, that's interesting that you said that because I was kind of mulling over why it would, you know, why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And you're right. It does. A lot of times I cannot relate. Some of the things are just so over the top for me. But a lot of the things really do. They kind of hit home in an area that reminds you of something or bring up something. And you're right. You can't escape life they go into like divorce let's divorce out of kindness like who are you gonna date who are you gonna date like he totally flips the other side of the coin it's like screw you i'm not going out with you anymore you know get the fuck out of my life you don't talk about who you're gonna date with the person you're breaking up with but they were showing that it's just so amicable i mean they were just so happy did you see how happy they were once they made that decision well it's the flip side of the ugly coin it's like this is like ugly and sad and sorrowful and he flips it to make it like let's just do it why why break up when we're mad at each other let's break up when we're kind to each other well yeah but then you see them so good together except for the fact they're breaking up yeah, but you're thinking they're so good to get their laughing together. They're enjoying each other's company. And who cares what the topic is? I mean, you know, it's just they've, they've found a common ground and they're able to be themselves in it. And I thought that was, that kind of pulled me. That was conflicting to me because I thought if you can get along that good in this area, and you've made this commitment to one another, can't you maybe try to find another area or like each other in another way? I don't know. 
So you're right, though. You can't escape. Uh, you can't escape the questions that you have with this. I don't. So they they decide to have one last sex romp, like no clothes off, no clothes off, mm. but just like letting the autistic kid get the touchdown. Let's let's do it. Have you ever had a one laster, Michelle? <laughs> um. Well, you got married when you were like 16, didn't you? Uh, yeah. All right. The prosecution withdraws the question. <laughs> I've had one before. It seems like a good idea, but it's not. And you knew it, yeah. that's what it was? You discussed yeah. it? Yeah. Knew it, it was exactly like this. Knew you're going to have, well, I didn't get her pregnant, but knew you're going to break up. Let's just have one. Let's just one last, fl- you know, f- romp, you know. And uh, it's just, you don't feel very good after it. You they don't, felt pretty good after. You, you don't feel like they pro- portrayed it. Although they had like, they had like 12 seconds of sex and it was the best sex ever. Good job. Yeah, funny. the positive affirmation, you know, with, <laughs> that was just so weird. And, and of yeah, course she gets pregnant seconds. and has Lily and the rest is history or mm-hmm. Semi-history, I guess. I wonder, I mean, I would have liked to have seen more. More of the sex? No, no, less of that. Less of, less than the four seconds we saw, but more of what, what transpired. What do you need to know? You know everything. I know, but I would have liked to have seen it. I would have liked to have seen how they reacted to finding out she was pregnant and what kind of plans they had made and were they actually living apart by that point. I don't know. I just had questions. He's got I'm 23 minutes. He's got 23 minutes. I'm a girl. I want to know. So Louis, Louis wakes up. Do you think he woke up from a nightmare or a dream when he kind of woke up from all that? I thought it was just like a daydream he was having. He kind of shook himself out of this. I know, but was it happy or sad? Was it a happy, fond remembrance, or was it like a, whoa, holy crap, that was weird? Oh, no, I didn't. He didn't look happy to me. What do you think? He never looks happy. Well, he doesn't ever look. Well, he does sometimes when he has his hand on Amia's shoulder, and they're all in the room together. He looks happy. So he goes into his comedy bit about how an old lady on crutches looks like a lady on high heels, which is freaking brilliant. Walking up a hill, an old lady on crutches with leg supports does look like a lady on high heels. Like a hot lady with perfect legs on high heels. She's reduced to, like, being on crutches. Okay. I, I, okay. Isn't that true? Isn't that no, so perfect? No, women can walk in high heels. We can walk. Some of us can walk in heels. So you're refuting that perfect joke that he made so no the joke was funny this was fun it was horrible and funny it's only funny if it's true though no he's he's talking about there's one woman in high heels there's another woman in leg braces and he feels so bad for the woman in the leg braces and he really wished that she would feel better and uh then he kind of challenge him challenges himself to how much he wishes she would feel better. And he said, what would I be willing to give up to make this woman feel better? He was like, if I could give up lemonade for two years, would I do that? Well, yeah, and that's he, ridiculous. 
It's ridiculous to give up lemonade. Of course it is. To make somebody feel better? Yeah. Uh, that's horrible. And he's like, I don't know. I'm not even fond of lemonade, but come June, I might want a glass. That and was. That, that's it for 407. That We're agreeing it. that's 407, right? 407, elevator four. Elevator five is 408. Okay. Elevator 408 is, or four, elevator five, 408 is the comedy bit about LeBron. That's where it goes into that. Yep, and um, so LeBron's dead. Newsflash, LeBron James is dead. They he talks a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Then, oh yeah, the rest of the Miami Heat is dead, and the rest of 12 million other people in Miami are dead, which is pretty a pretty good reflection on the news, the way the news is delivered. Did you hear, though, that uh, LeBron James actually had like one of the biggest nights on Monday night when that aired ever? The Miami Heat defeated the Indiana Pacers 102-90, to taking a three-to-one series lead in the Eastern Conference Finals, and he passed Michael Jordan for the most 25.5 rebound, five assist games in NBA playoff history. Why do I get the that feeling time. you're reading that, Michelle, and not just No, I knew it. it. I just knew. I knew that. I hate LeBron James. I, I don't hope, know LeBron. I hope he dies in a hurricane. No, Mike, you do not. I do. He's awful. He's no. a He's a poser. He's a spoiled uh. brat, and he's got and he, he's a flopper. You know what a flopper is? I don't. He gets bumped, like slightly bumped, and he flops back like, he, oh, you really hit me hard. Uh, anyway, so LeBron James is uh, unfortunately still alive. But um, I, we go no. into the chicken or the egg. Don't chi- mean that. We go into the chicken or the egg controversy. And Louis does here what he did with the uh, argument about Patrick. He argues like, of course the egg came first. And then, well, there's always at the end of all that, you know, you 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 number line it out to the to the end and you get to okay well so where did the egg come from it's like well it came from the chicken dumbass so he like refutes his own argument about the egg being first i don't know that was pretty funny <laughs> i wrote not very funny beside it no one's even laughing well he's the audience he, is he paints himself it's not the joke it's the fact that he paints himself into these corners like like a knucklehead but he's like a he's like the brilliant knucklehead then we see jim norton and amia at the club what did you think about jim norton that was pretty crude yeah um i tried to find out what she was saying to him were you able to find out it doesn't matter the fact that we don't know it's even better i guess i really wanted to know because she even though she couldn't understand what he said her response to it yeah she she slams him yeah, she, that's the word I wrote. That is, I wrote, it's be- slammed him. It's better that we don't know what, because she could have said, I'm sorry, I don't know what you mean, or I'm sorry, I don't like the tone of your voice. But the fact that we don't know what it is and we just interpret that she's like, fuck you, buddy, back off, that is like the perfect, it was the perfect scene. It, was, it was really good. He slights her and she slams him back and he looks at her like, uh, what? And then, but he gets it. He hurt. She he hurts his it. feelings. It's total rejection in any language. <laughs> she did, and it. But it was said so sweetly. I mean, she didn't fuss at him or raise her voice or change her tone or anything. And yet, we know 
that what she said, or we think certainly that what she said, it sounded like she, I wrote, she slammed him. It wasn't very sweet, but it wasn't, it wasn't anger either. It was just like calmly said back to him, but it was total rejection. That wasn't what she said. It was the way he took it. He took it like, I'm getting rejected again, even by a woman who doesn't understand any words. Cause doesn't well, he ask her like, you speak no English, right? He yeah. sets it up like checking before he says it. Yeah, but then I mean, what kind of response did he would he get from somebody? Well, he's who, trying to be like a smart ass, and she oh, slams awful. him. That was great. Yeah, I'm glad. So we see Nick DiPaolo ordering reindeer feet and sherbet. He <laughs> don't have reindeer feet, fried reindeer feet, so he wants sherbet instead. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes you got to take what you can get. And then we see Todd per- Todd Berry. We see Todd Berry in his little uh, soliloquy about his day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think about his day? Well, the first time I saw it, I didn't like it. I got kind of stressed out that it was taking so long that he was going into so much detail. But then on the second watch, I thought it was uh, somewhat brilliant, actually. Tell me why. Well, because Louis kind of wishes he was lonely. Doesn't he say something about... He's always around people, and he sees his daughters, and half the week he sees his daughters, and that's too much because he gets off on being lonely and misses the time he's alone and all that. And then we see this idiot Todd Berry talk about his solitary life and how cheap he is. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, just all the, all the stupidity he go, all the effort he goes through to save, like, pennies. He goes down, he gets to the same bar, he gets like a free donut. He goes on a, he goes to research going to a bar location for his club act in northern New York. And it's like train is X amount, but the bus is less. And the bus to a shorter city is even less. And he has to make the guy pick him up. And the guy makes the sign spelled wrong with his name on it. And he gets him to fix it. And the whole crowd busts up and like total applause, like he made some major accomplishment in life. I don't know. It was like, it was like he made his point, you know, they made his point by showing how stupid it was by giving him this excessive applause that he accomplished this really stupid little thing. What do you think that scene was about, though? What did you take from that whole scene? Because that Louis was, that Louis was reveling in being alone and this Todd. Barry guy and we and with Louie we kind of think well you're not really that happy Louie that you're alone are you like he's alone and Louie's always trying to reach out and like he found Amia and he's, she's really making him happy and you know Pamela seemed to make him happy before and then this Todd guy totally like refutes that like I'm just I'm just happy being an idiot I get up at 10 o'clock I'm alone I have no I have no um responsibility responsibility to anyone I can go on this stupid lark on a trip and you know worry about all these stupid mundane things and so it was was the counterpoint to louis he had no encumbrances at all and louis has encumbrances and louis i think is afraid of being alone and I think when you see this guy and this guy's talking about how great his life is because he doesn't have the encumbrances. I think we feel sorry for him. Right. And it's all, but it's emphasized by the exaggeration that he made this major accomplishment by getting 
the guy to pick him up and you know he he cheated every little corner and was so cheap and managed to be on his own and do things on his own way in his own way that's the counterpoint to being alone like they cheered it but it was really like dude you're you're a sad specimen there right because i mean louis is listening to his daughter play a violin and this guy is talking about making some guy change the sign on the door from tom barry with an e to tom barry with an a and i mean that's his accomplishment louis listening to his kid you know do this and i think it's supposed to look I don't know if it's supposed to look, but I felt bad for him. His big thing was if the certain waitress is on, he gets the pretty donut for free and a, he gets a free Coke. When, I mean, it, the whole thing was just, yeah. it was sad. There was nothing to it. So the encumbrances that he's happy not to have are kind of the things that are making life worthwhile. He makes, yeah, he makes lonely, like being alone seem like paradise. Like I'm in paradise, man. I get up at 10, I get on the, I cheated the system. I got on the, I get to ride the Greyhound bus and I get the guy to pick me up. I get a free Coke. I get a free donut. He makes it sound perfect and he gets cheered for it. Meanwhile, Louis in paradise. Louis has the beautiful daughters. He's got the like scathing wit. And he's like, he's he's got this nice girlfriend now, and he's like all sad and down. It by by counterpoint of exaggerating how great Todd Barry was, it proved how really good Louis had his life, I think. Yes, I agree completely. But so what about this waitress now, the donut, the free donut waitress? We gotta talk about the golden age of television again, Michelle. <sighs> okay. Uh we got Greta Grimley. We got Lauren Melvo, and we got this waitress, and they all have the same haircut. They do. Do I have to post a picture of her too? I think you should. And, and if you want to stretch it, if you want to stretch it to Anton Chigurh, he had that haircut. <laughs> well, <laughs> you got a point. Um, maybe it's the new thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm. You know. There were some other things that are kind of funny that I, I made a note about, um, like the guy's gig, the Todd Berry's gig was in Poughkeepsie, mm-hmm. and that's and where... Where the dog's leg got chewed off, yeah. Right, by a wolf in Poughkeepsie, Poughkeepsie, and I think it's just because Poughkeepsie sounds funny. It does sound funny. Like Howard Stern once used to say, um, look, I'm, I'm just trying to do a radio show, I say a few bad words, the FCC is sitting around playing canasta until they see a bad word and then they jump all over me. Like canasta is a funny word. <laughs> Poughkeepsie and canasta are like general, you know, they're just like knee slappers. <laughs> Poughkeepsie does, I mean, it's memorable. So anyway, that's that's where Todd Berry went and that's that's it. He's That's it for him. In this- I don't know. It seems sad to me. You seem kind of sad. Of course, that's the point. Yeah, I mean, how it's many, sadder that he was happy, though. How many? Huh? How many real concerns that we have in life, if we just forgot them for like two days, would disappear? Most. Like everything he, every victory Todd Berry had. If you think about it, two days later, it's like who cares? I got a free donut. Woo! What's that worth? Like forty <laughs> cents. I got a free Coke. I got free Wi-Fi. You know, who cares? It's like it's, he's all celebrating silly, you know, forgotten little, you know, joy. He's, ca- ca- he's calling them joyous victories, but they're really nothingness. 
And on the other side, Louis's little things he worries about are like things that also would be forgotten two days later. Where do you get a donut for 40 cents? I don't know, Michelle. You get them for fucking free if you show up at the same time at every restaurant. Okay. Just curious. Uh, so now Louis's back at the airport, at the airport, at the apartment elevator. And we look, it looks like Ivanka's dead. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I was this, thinking, so when I saw that, ran. I started thinking about why does Amia have to go back to Hungary? And I remind, it reminded me of the first thing Ivanka said was she has to go back with me. I think I said it wrong when we first started talking about it, that Amia has to get back to her son and her life and all that. But really what she said, if you go back and listen, was Ivanka told Louis that Amia has to come back to help me finish this thing with my life. Like almost like she's going back to Hungary to, to die. Or it's the last trip I'll ever make or something. Oh, I didn't take that. I didn't get that. I'll have to go back and listen to it again. I thought she was just there for a month to help her get packed up and get her stuff situated to move back home because now she's getting older and it's time for her to move back. To do, to do what, though? That's what I'm saying. That's what she said is it's, it's my time. I have to go back. Well, I mean, if you're older, you know, you're not going to live alone away from your family forever. You want family close to you if you're I mean, how old she's supposed to be, would you say? I don't know. 80. So, OK, I was thinking 70, but maybe. And. um, Yeah, I mean, I would think she would want to be closer to family in case. You know, I don't know. I didn't take that, but I'll have to go back and watch that because. So you think Ivanka's dying? Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to read into it that she has a more powerful reason for to go home than just oh, it's time to go home. I've been here long enough, and like she's get yeah, like she's getting ready to to die. Okay. Um, but she's like not alert, not awake, not conscious. And Louis drags her out of that elevator like she's a linebacker. She probably weighs eighty pounds. I uh, know. I know. She's that washing machine with Lester. So, Doctor Bigelow can't be bothered with it though. And call nine one one. By the way, I made a mistake in the last podcast. I was saying um, Lost in America was a cool movie. It is a cool movie, but it's Albert Brooks. It's not Charles Grodin. So. Um, I cut that out of that podcast, by the way. Okay. But if you Easy want to watch a good movie, um, watch Albert Brooks in Lost in America. But she's choking on a Mentos. And <laughs> Dr. Bigelow has seen this many times before because he knows right away. Mentos is a, is a, what, throat clogger or whatever he called it. Perfect plug for the esophagus, yeah. I think is the words he put it. I'm so funny. I drive my girl, they're grown, and I drive them crazy about things that size because I'm he's right he's right it's the perfect size one little gasp and it caps the esophagus not well not the esophagus the windpipe you you know but yeah same it, same oh, area yeah of course okay anyway yeah, I so, hate that. It makes me nervous. Ivanka thinks an elevator now is an evil box of death, which has got to be the funniest line I've ever heard describing an elevator. Yeah, well, the one in that building, yeah, definitely. An evil box of death. But Dr. Bigelow goes on to say that an interesting side note is that two people per decade die in elevators. Yeah, not very many. 
No, that's not. I mean, your chances are pretty dad blasted good. She could have been special. She could have been the one of the two. Yep. Um. So she she goes back to her apartment with Louie. She tells him about her past, and she mentions Jackie Gleason. Well, yeah, she says that actually to Doctor Bigelow, and he seems okay. Did you get this? Because I felt like she. And Dr. Bigelow might have had a little connection going on. Yeah, they're the same age. Yeah, but he told her to come see him sometime. So what if she starts up something with Dr. Bigelow and then she doesn't want to leave? Are you saying Dr. Bigelow's going to screw the cow? (sighs) Anyway, my point was that Ellen Burstyn, who is Ivanka, was on the Jackie Gleason show as a showgirl. Oh, was she, she went, really? She started in Texas as a model, and she got her big break on, in New York at, on the Jackie Gleason show. Oh, I did not know. I love that. So that's why she dropped that one in. Okay. That's good. But if you don't screw the cow, she's not your cow, is her advice to Louie. Yeah. And it's the second person telling Louie this. And it's not the boys in the gym telling Louie this. It's like the Louis, It's like Amia's aunt <laughs> I mean, it's what, the women, the women are telling and his ex-wife, you got to take that advice to heart, Louie. It's the women. It's the women telling you, you got to screw the woman to make her yours. Right. I think that what they're saying is what I heard was. Are you serious about her? Because no. if you're. If They're you're saying, serious about her, you'll take this to the next level, which is that. That's what I heard. They're saying unless you have sex with somebody, it's not serious, Michelle. That's what I just said. No, you didn't. You said you, unless you're serious with someone, you're not serious with them. You're like fawning around the words. Unless you're, if you're serious with her, if she means that much to you. I heard you can't it, say unless you have sex with somebody you're not serious with them. That's what they said to him. Two women said that to him. Yeah, that's kind of that's what I said. <laughs> that's what I said. And what language if, did you say that? No, I said if if he wants he's claiming this relationship. So he's claiming it, but he's not acting on it. If and you don't screw the cow, she's oh, not your gee. cow. Okay. You're that's what a that's what this girl's aunt said to him. You're like a you're like a third person reviewer on a podcast of the show and you can't say it any more closely than that. No, I'm a girl and I'm saying what I hear. What I'm hearing them say is Janet said that she was so happy he was in love because he said he was in love, but he hasn't taken that step. And she said you're not fucking her? I know, but she was very happy. She's like, oh, you're in love. I'm so happy. And she goes on about love. And then she's like, wait. And then Ivanka I know. says I'm picking on you, thing. Michelle, because you can't say the word. What, sex? I can say that. Fuck. Fuck, I'm screw. I'm not going to say that. I'm well, not. whatever. But that's what, you're, that's what you're backing away from. No. If, no, I'm not. I'm just trying to explain. I think there's a difference. I think it's subtle, but I think there's a difference. I think the women are saying 
you're you're claiming a relationship, but you're not willing, but but you haven't yet actually consummated this relationship, and you can't claim it as how you're claiming it without well, of doing course, that. But it sounds like it sounds all messed up when you waffle around the words. That's not waffle. If you're not man enough to get the girl to have sex with you, you're not like man enough to have a real real relationship with her. Okay, well, what did you think about their sex scene, though? It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. So, see, he took this advice and went someplace that That's maybe not he the really... point. That's not the oh. point. My point was with you was, like, just say what you want to say. I was trying. I thought I did. Um, but, yeah, that was, like, uh, that was horrible. First of all, before all this, I want to ask you about something. I don't know why, because you'll... You know, here we are fighting again. Uh, let's just part as friends, Michelle. Let's get a friendly divorce. Out of kindness. I can get another podcast cow and... Well, that didn't sound right. Sorry. <laughs> that really... That was pretty bad. Okay. Uh, it's always hard to keep the cow's mouth close to the microphone. But, okay. So, here's and here's this other little thought I had. When you come home with somebody, again, this you're exempt from this being married at 15 or whatever, whatever. Jeez. Okay. You're like 45 and you have, you know, two-year-old grandson. I don't Who, know. me? Anyway, so um, when you get home, when you bring a girl home and you lock the door, or when you go home to a girl's house and she locks the door, the locking of the door, did you notice that in the scene? That's the, like the... Yep, it's gonna happen. Sign. When when she walked when he walked in with Amia, she's saying, "Oh, hi, you know, good night, good night." And he reaches over and locks the door. Mm-hmm. Once that door is locked, it's on. It's real. I did not know that. Okay. Well, did you notice? Did you even see it in the scene? I didn't notice you know. It. Well, you know, he put it in there because it's important. Okay. Think about it. You come home. Um. Okay, I'll do the guy version. You go, you go over to a girl's house. You bring her home. Um, she says, you know, great. Let's a great date. You know, you want to come in for a glass of wine or something? Sure. And you walk in, and she locks the door. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's you know it's on. Really? Okay. Why would she lock the door if you were going to be there for ten minutes and drink a glass of wine and leave? I don't know. But I'm Louis locks good. the door. Louis locks okay. the door. And so we can go into the Reddit and the like forums and all this crap about she didn't really say no, but she didn't really say yes. And we're getting all the Cersei rape comparisons here. But Louis wakes up. Amia leaves kind of well, they flirt around in the hallway. She keeps saying, no, it's not good. I want to, you know, good night, good night. But she keeps kind of following him in. Do you think she regretted? Well, first of all, what? Give me your take on it. I won't even try to say what I think. Well, I think she was a participant eventually, but she was a reluctant participant. She remember the hug maneuver that Louise talked about before. How girls have a way of going in and giving you that close hug, so your faces aren't out there, so you're not going to kiss and the clinch. It's the clinch. Yeah. Well, she did that. She did that blocking maneuver he talks about, and um, 
Louis was really persistent, and he was almost to the point of persistence that made me uncomfortable. But then she kind of gave in to it. It was, but the whole thing was terribly awkward and clumsy. Do you think she wanted to leave? No, I don't think she wanted to leave, but I think she was thinking about what would happen afterward. You know, it wasn't about the sex so much. It was more about what's the point of this? Because I'm going to be leaving. It's only going to make it harder for me to leave if this happens. And so I think she was trying to keep it on a different level. So when they woke up in the morning, she he he wakes up and he looks over and she's looking at him. She's already awake. Mm-hmm. And she she says, Hungarian word, Hungarian word, no good. So do you think she meant you were not good to no. do this to me? Or do you think this is um, not good for our relationship? It's not good. I think she thinks this is not good because she knows she's going somewhere else. And she's not going to be there. And so what was really the point of that? I don't think Louis even wanted it just as a sexual episode in his life. I don't think it was a conquest. I think, you know, he loved her. And so he, you know, he probably really wanted to be with her. I think they showed that again and again. So, but I think he was, something was holding him back too, because we've known Louis for, even I know Louis well enough Fear, fear held him back. You think it was fear? Yeah. Rejection. No, she wasn't going to, I know, was it, you think? He he had a fear that she was going to reject him? When you ask somebody what they think and they tell you, you don't say, no, you're wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong. I just don't, I don't, I don't mean it like that. I mean, that's not what I get from it when I say it like that. I. Yeah, he's were, afraid of, he's like, he's like afraid, his confidence sucks. He's like afraid of being like not man enough for her, not worthy of her. So, yeah, rejection. Okay. Um, so then we get to, uh, we kind of are mercifully released from this scene to a newsman saying that on the final note, a small bird died due to sadness. <laughs> Which was sad. That was so sad. What do you think about the whole thing about um, Amia not speaking English and Louis not speaking Hungarian? I think that after the end of this and the way the resolution was with that or lack of it when she got up and left and he was uncomfortable and she was uncomfortable and that's certainly not what you want after a night of intimacy for, with somebody that you care about. I think that what it was all showing was that the lack of communication is not the answer he had hoped for either because this whole thing has been like a communication thing and he can't get along with people that he does communicate with and, but he got along great with her because he couldn't communicate with her. But now I think he saw that's not his answer. Hmm. What did you think? Well, I like the fact that they don't speak the same language. It makes us tune into the other ways that they have to communicate the way they look at each other and the way, you know, they try to, 
sure. body language and all the other stuff. It's interesting too that Louis C.K. is Hungarian. His grandfather was born in Hungary. He was a surgeon in Hungary, and he moved to Mexico. So Louis connecting back to his roots by having the whole Hungarian. We've kind of left the realm of comedy, and some of this stuff it is. It's a uh, it's deep and it's painful kind of stuff to have to kind of wade through and figure out. And I think that's what we're doing with this. I'm not really sure where he's going with it as far as we know his show's a comedy show, but I think it's showing him wading through these heavy areas of his life and trying to figure it out. We root for Louis, right? I mean, we want him to be happy. We want him to find somebody and we want him to be a happy, happy man. You don't think that they showed the young Louis and the young Janet having sex for the last time and her getting pregnant to segue into Louis and Amia having sex. So she's going to end up pregnant? No. She's too okay. old to be pregnant, probably. Okay, well, I don't know. No, that's not got to have nothing to do with this. It's just Louis and his relationship with people, with the with the women he cares about. Okay. Um, what do you think is going to come up in the conclusion next week? Uh, first of all, what do you think of, about the conclusion? But it's going to also be this split scene again, like the like the first elevator was split scene from the first episode of that hour. It's going to be the conclusion of elevator. What do you think is going to happen? And then what do you think is going to happen after that? I'm not sure what's what's going to happen. I tend to think that Ami is going to go home and Louis is going to have to deal with the fallout or the, you know, remains of that relationship, but only because you you kind of spoiled me in that there's going to be three episodes with Pamela. So maybe Pamela's going to come? I don't know. I think this whole interlude with Amia is to tee up Pamela. Maybe. Maybe so. Amia's, yeah. Amia's un, untouchable. You know, she's there for a month. She's gone. She's not touchable. She's no, you know, language isn't there. It's like Louis, it's like Louis reminding himself to be brave. Like, this is worth it. If you find the right woman, it's really, really worth it. And I think that's going to step up his game for Pamela. Well, that would be good, I guess, if that happened. I think it could bring... I love Pamela. I love her confidence, and I love her interaction with Louie and everything. I I hate how that ended. I hate how they ended, how they parted after being intimate with one another. I hated that. I mean, how horrible. Louis felt horrible. She felt horrible. And, you know, you just want to give him a little pep talk and say, try again or something. Yeah, I don't think it's horrible. I think it's learning. I think I think Louis learned. Um, first of all, it's good for Louis to know that Pamela is not the only fish in the sea. It's good for Pamela to know that Louis doesn't see her as the only fish. But it's good, you know, even if they end up being together, it's good for them to know that they have other options. And Louis did not think that. Louis thought, oh, if this only if this great woman Pamela would be with me, I would be so happy. 
Now he knows another woman could make him happy. And if that woman leaves and he goes to Pamela, that's even better for Pamela and Louis, I think. I hope so. I hope it works out like that. I'm afraid Pamela's going to, you know, like the bath scene where Louis calls her up and the episode's back and he's like, did you want to take a bath with me? And she's like, yeah, but you blew it, buddy. You really blew it. And because it was a spur of the moment. He didn't say that. He said, he said, do you want did you want to take a bath with me? Not, did you want to take a bath with me? Well, with me. Okay. With me. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I did. But it was, you know, spur of the moment. And so she was over it. And I, what I hope they don't do is take it back to her being over it. Do you know what I mean? They like, won't ever be the same, though. That's my point. That Louis knows more now. She knows, like, wow, I could have, I might have lost this guy. And Louis knows now, wow, I might have had somebody I care about more than Pamela. And now that they both know that, they're, you know, it's a new, it's a new, it's a new setting for them. Right. And I'm just saying that I hope that it works out that way and that we don't go back to her saying, I should have never said that to begin with. They won't do better that. as friends. Okay. I hope they don't. They won't do that because it's not that okay. Louis's too smart for that. I, hope I mean, so. Louis writes too smartly for that. Well, Michelle, I got to get going because Esther with a Z is tweeting me. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Esther Baylon followed me on Twitter. I'm all excited about that. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully she will tweet. I got to say something nice about her. Yeah. It's funny because I told you that and you're like, oh, I hope we were nice to her. You know, she doesn't care. She just wants to follow. She doesn't. Have, she's really like, a, she, you know, like me. I don't have very many Twitter followers, but she has like less than me even. And um, she's. Following me now because we said something about her in the show and I love that last week's podcast. Well, yeah, and that's what I said because I mean, you know, we love her and I hope it came through how much we love that character. It's created a completely different Louis experience for me, and I appreciate the character very much. Esther Balant and Numbers are my two claims to fame from these podcast endeavors. I love it. Love it. It's exciting. All right, so follow us on West Coast Project or Facebook slash Louis TV Podcast. And, and we're on Twitter and iTunes. Twitter is Scathing Tweet. I mean, Twitter, yeah, Twitter, and we're on iTunes, I'm sorry, and Stitcher. Stitcher both. Yeah, iTunes is better because iTunes keeps track of everything. Twitter, you just kind of go into the Twitter black hole, but or Twitter. <laughs> Stitcher. You did the same thing I did. Yeah, but I mean that's what you can get with with Android. That's what that's what we have, and I love I love that we have that. So it's really good. It doesn't matter. Just if you like our show, we're happy. We're, you know, we yes. don't beg people for likes or anything, but no. it's good to hear your comments. And you can put comments on um, face. The best place really is Facebook. Facebook slash Louis TV Podcast, and um, that's where we'll be. We'll be there. What's the next after that? Elevator seven? What's what's six? What's after that? You've got no. your paper. What do you have a big giant ledger like the guy in Fargo? No, I'm I'm I have like I printed out. Do you know how many pages I did for this? Why do you have any paper at all? 
Because it's what I do. Season four, Elevator Part Six, and Pamela Part One. Yeah, you f- you found it. I swear exactly when I did, but there's so, nothing to it. So Pamela Part One. So next week we're gonna have Elevator Part Six. So the the conclusion to Amia and Ivanka, hopefully. Get these Hungarian broads off the television. No, I, I wish Ivanka <laughs> would stay. I mean, I hope she stays with Doctor Bigelow. They're that beautiful. Would be the they're thing. they're wonderful. They're it. They're it's been a wonder watching them. I really have enjoyed it. But then I, Pamela, I really want to see Pamela. So I'm putting them under the bus for Pamela. So Elevator Part Six, Pamela Part One. Then the next week we have In the Woods Part One and Two, and then we finish off with Pamela Two and Three. So we've got three weeks left. Three of the episodes in the three weeks are Pamela. Well, I mean, I'm excited about it. I hate to say that. I love you, Amia, but I'm excited about seeing Pamela back. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And Michelle, you have a great week. You too.